Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Draft Sickos on the No Ceilings NBA feed. I am Maxwell Baumbach, joined at this time by the real star of the show, Stephen Gillespie. Stephen, how are you doing today? Maxwell, I'm doing great, dude. It's glad to have you back. I'm glad I don't have the the lead hot mic to start the show, but I'm <laughs> glad to see you, man. How's everything mm-hmm. going? It's good. It's good. I Yeah, I am glad to be back in the saddle here. You got Corey, who's uh, your favorite draft analyst, favorite draft analyst, which in this case, I that might mean I'm somebody's favorite draft analyst. So I'm I'm glad to hear that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Corey, I love Corey's work. It was a great episode. Uh, but yeah, excited to be back. And, and we always say on the show, we cover everybody from the biggest names to the deepest sleepers. And that's what we've got uh, with this yeah. lineup tonight. We've got some, some sickos and winners of the week. We've got some big names, first round talents. Uh, so I'm excited to get to that. But it was a good, good week, pretty normal week on my end. We did... Uh, like half of Christmas uh, with with my side of the family earlier today. So I'm a little uh, a little a little dressier than normal uh, getting back <laughs> from that. But how's everything been with you? Yeah, man, everything's been well. Uh, we'll talk about it, I guess, to the end of the show, the reason why. But uh, we kind of did a early Christmas here at the house with uh, mm-hmm. with my family. So uh, kids got to open up presents and stuff early. So, yeah, man, things have been good. Uh we're preparing for another exercise for no ceilings. So I've been trying to watch as much film as I possibly can, like even more than normal. So I am, uh, I'm ready to talk out some prospects, man, because I feel like this is where I learned the most is whenever we get to do this sort of dialogue. For sure. So let's, let's get right into winners of the week here. Yeah. Uh, and this first one is, man, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of You're already just, rubbing your eyes. This is yeah. Great. Well, there's just going to be a lot of perplexing evaluations this year. And this guy uh, is going to be one of them. Uh, it's Terrence Shannon Jr. from Illinois. He is a 6'5 graduate, uh, and he had himself a game against Florida Atlantic this week. Uh, 33 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists in that one, and was 2 for 5 from deep. Uh, also had himself a nice game against Tennessee, one of those games where if you're just looking at the baseline statistics, you know, 22 points on 16 shots, 1 for 6 from 3, but he got to the line a ton, uh, 11 for 11 from the free throw line. Uh, only one turnover in that game. 
still a nice performance in a, in a close game for Illinois, which, in which they lost. Uh, yeah. But Terrence Shannon, another big week for him. And he's a guy that like, just to be frank, uh, I wouldn't say I was agnostic <laughs> about Terrence Shannon before the season. I would say I was a Terrence Shannon atheist <laughs> coming into this season. I did not. Yeah. I was ready to be done with this guy. He was somebody that when we were doing our first round of boards, like I just texted a couple people within the group and I said, look, like, I get the idea of Terrence Shannon. He is a very athletic guy who is six foot six. And when he's playing great, he looks really great. He's just never been consistent enough for my liking. Um, it feels like every year we're waiting for him to break out and he just never gets over the hump. Had a really bad combine this year. Um, I just said, I'm kind of ready to move on from him. And uh, it's going to be really hard for me to see him as a draftable prospect. Now we are nine games in, which granted isn't the biggest sample in the world, uh, but he is shooting 42.4% from three. He is taking more threes than he's ever taken throughout his college career. And he's just looking really consistent and he's finding ways to impact every single game, which has always been the gripe. It's always just been like, is he going to be consistent enough? I, I still have my reservations. And I think the biggest thing that still scares me with Terrence Shannon is that with the inconsistency we've seen over the course of his career, at this age, he should be dominating in college. Yep. Um, is he a guy that's ever going to be consistent enough to hold down a rotation spot? Uh, but let's kind of get your thoughts, Stephen. Where have you been with Terrence Shannon uh, over the years? Because he's one of these yeah. perpetual prospects that, that comes up every year, almost like an Ariel Huck Porty, where it's just like every year he's a guy, he's a guy, he's a guy, and it just hasn't happened yet. Um what are your thoughts on Terrence Shannon's journey and where have you been with him this season? What are you seeing on the floor? I can't help but love Terrence Shannon Jr. Simply for the fact that like he's one of my uh, foundational prospects, like as a scout in the scouting community, right? Like I've been scouting him as long as I've been like, like I would say like full-time scouting within the draft space. And uh, it, it's been full of ups and downs. And you mentioned like a nine game sample size, not being mm -hmm. like that big of a sample especially for a player like Terrence Ter Shannon Jr. Like you've seen nine game stretches for him, like both good and bad, right. Yeah. For multiple universities now. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, you almost kind of feel like, you know what you're getting, but the, the, the highest, like what Rucker says about some of these prospects that we've discussed over the past few weeks is like the highs are actually like really enticing I, I was one of these people, Maxwell, that you had messaged, like saying that you were just like mm -hmm. so far out on him. I think that there's like a baseline level of talent to where like at the end of the day, you kind of have to tip your tip your cap to him. You know what I mean? And be like, OK, you're you're obviously a very talented Hooper, but what is going to be your trademark skill set? What are you bringing to the NBA? And that's where I kind of get curious about what Terrence Shannon Jr. is going to be in the NBA. I think I saw, yeah, Bleacher Report had him ranked 12th on their latest mock draft, Maxwell. The Athletic had him 25th, you know? So, like, there are people that have done way more scouting than I ever have. Yeah, yeah. That's watched the thing is, watched them watched them senior or not, they're not, they're not some dude on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, they're not really scrubs. High. They know their stuff, yeah. Yeah, I think and I mean... Yeah, is I wonder how much he's got a. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say, I wonder how much of it is like them maybe being a little bit more proactive about being out on this class <laughs> is the thing. Like we were talking before the show about how we've got a lot of guys who are like, all right, I'm holding this guy here, but 
but next month, like they've got to get better or else like I'm dropping them off my board or I'm, I'm moving them way down or whatever. I, I think Vassini and his board kind of in particular was straight up just like, I think this class is bad and I'm ranking yeah. guys that I think can play in the NBA high and that's it. So I wonder how much of it's that. Um, but to me, it's still just hard to wrap my head around. Maybe I'm trying not to have like anchoring bias and like yeah. sink my teeth, my feet too far into the ground on what Terrence Shannon had been prior to this season. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's hard. It's it hard. really is. I mean, so I'm going to, I'm going to stick with the game right now. Right. So I watched the Tennessee game and when I look at the box score, I like, I try really hard not to keep up with stats because I don't want that to influence I don't want to like get revisionist history with like how they actually looked and felt in the game. So when I completed the Tennessee game and I went back and looked and saw how Terry Shaner Jr. did, I was shocked that he had 22 points. Like that was mm-hmm. a very startling 22 points. I mean, it was on five of 16 shooting from the floor, only hit one of his six three point attempts, which is kind of you, you pointed this out Maxwell about how he did last season at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the year in three-point percentage and what he looked like in conference play. And it's kind of just the same thing all over again. And, yeah. you know, he got he got locked up a couple times. Like, uh, Dalton Connect was, like, the best prospect on the floor that game. And Josiah Jordan-James had a very good game, too. So, and Tennessee is, like, one of these very, you know, egalitarian-style offenses where everybody's going to get a, a feel where I feel like Illinois is going to be, they're going to go to their, their big names quick and early. And you kind of see that in the field goal percentage with Terrence Shannon Jr. But again, another lefty, a guy who's been a very good athlete for years. Like he started out Texas tech. Uh, that's the baseline skill set that you have to have to, to be at Texas tech, right? You have to be a great athlete. He's a very determined driver. I wouldn't classify him really as strong, but he's ca- like, he's capable in the paint. Like I would say he's wiry. Right. Uh, good body control, contortion in the air. Love his D cell on his drives. I would think that he's more of a scorer that can shoot. Right. He's at 42 percent from deep this year, but a career 35 percent three point shooter can move the ball, but is actually pretty turnover prone as well. Sometimes I think that he, dri- he will dribble into trouble without knowing what his escape route is. Right. And that and that gets him into trouble. And I just don't know what his game is going to look like translating to the NBA in terms of is he going to be able to drive as much as in, in, in the NBA? Is he going to be given the opportunity to make decisions off the bounce in the NBA? And then what does this defense look like? What like what position do you think that he defends the best? Like maybe ones, maybe twos? And even then, I'm a little bit skeptical. But again, man, like the, the rise on the board is kind of insane. I have him around the 84 range on my board right now. And Maxwell, there's probably about 10 to 15 freshmen that are gunking up the works that I don't know if they're going to stay or if they're going to go which can really sway my overall rankings right now. But I'm far away from like this 12th and 15th ranking on boards that I'm starting to see now. Yeah, I'm not there either. Um, And I'm, yeah, it's just, it's the battle I'm fighting is just how much of that is me being overly concerned with things I've seen in the past versus like what this player is right now. Um, That's why I'm really excited to just see what conference play looks like for him. Um, because right now he is taking 11.3 threes per 100 possessions, which is like yeah. above average volume like that for like a real NBA prospect like that is really high volume. And if he is a good shooter or even like a decent shooter on that volume, 
with everything else he brings to the table, like that probably is an NBA rotation player. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, then it's like, well then, yeah, maybe I do need to take him that high. Um, like the first thing I put in my notes, just like, here we go again. Cause last year he yep. was, he was 38% <laughs> from three around this point in the year. And then was 29% in conference play with the volume that he's showing now um, and how athletic he is. Like, yeah, I think if he does shoot, he is a rotation player. He is yeah. very, he is and has been ready. From just a physicality standpoint, it's 6'6", 210 pounds, fast, jumps high, physical, like not going to shy away from contact, explosive off one foot, um, been a high free throw rate guy. Um, he's been knocked for the lack of a left hand a lot. Um, I, I like his fake to one side to get back to his right. He's really good with that. Um, he does make some nice passes when he slowed down. I, he still like, his awareness can be good, but there's still yeah. passes city forces where it's like, how, how have you been a top option at the college level for two, three years now? That's still like a pass that you're forcing. Like there's times where it can be a little frustrating um, with the shot though. I will say like the one thing I wrote about this last year when I did a feature on him is his attempts for 100 have gone up every single year. Like he has increasingly become more and more confident in the shot so it's not impossible that he just is on an upward trajectory and is a guy that can shoot now. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, tough to beat on an island. When he's engaged, he's a guy who's fast in the lanes, can get up yep. with guys at the rim. Still a little overzealous at times, still gambles for stuff. I worry about the release on the shot, too. Uh, I, I know I keep circling back on the shot, but it's a low release. He snake bites it at times. Like There was like one release in the Tennessee game where it was just like, the shortest release I've seen on a shot mm-hmm. from him in a long time. I worry if he's ever consistent enough to just like get minutes and keep them. And that's a scary thing for me. Like, do I want to draft a guy like different types of players? But I think about a guy like Chris Duarte right now, where mm-hmm. it's just like, it's, it's been a little too up and down for him the last couple of years. Like, is that what we're getting with Terrence Shannon? And it's similarly like a guy who's going to turn 24 before the start of his first NBA season. Like, I don't know. I, I really don't know what I'm doing with this guy. And it's, it's still just real wait and see for me. I wish I could give a, a firmer evaluation yeah. at this point. Uh, but I love the physical tools. I do think he's made real improvements as a, as a ball handler and a passer. Um, so it's hard to just dump on the guy and say, I think he stinks because he's, he's clearly, he's clearly put in work to yeah. multiple elements of his game. Um, and with the tools that he has, he shoots like that's, that's a guy. So. I'm, I'm a little perplexed at this stage. I would just say that like the biggest thing that I worry about Maxwell, and this is where sometimes I, I feel like sometimes people do boards, like they do power rankings a little mm-hmm. bit, you know what sure. I mean? And they're just mm-hmm. like, and, and a lot of rankings are like, do have to do with performance, right. And how, and how players are looking. But the biggest thing that I always like to do is like to center myself as a scout is like, is this guy going to be asked to do what he is doing at the college level in the NBA? It's like, Mm -hmm. if not, how, like, what are the skill, what other skill sets is he bringing to the table? Terrence Shannon Jr. is not going to be a high usage guy in the NBA, man. Like he's just, he's just not. So if that's the case, he can shoot, but what else is he going to do? Like, he's not big, like he's athletic, but he's not like a, a big wing. So I think that's going to limit him to maybe like, 
two position defense a little bit Mm -hmm. and how good and how good is the defense even going to be you know because he's not like a a stalwart on that end despite being an upperclassman and being a great athlete like he's not locking dudes up so it's what are you what are you really going to get out of him you know like do you hope that he's like terrence ross in the nba like is that what Mm -hmm. you're kind of hoping for a little bit here yeah because that's what i was gonna ask you is like would you rather if we're only looking at the defensive side of the ball would you rather play a guy like kobe johnson in an nba game tomorrow who like might not have the same size or is here shannon but is just so much more like functional and fundamental that he he just feels much safer to me and it's like similarly a guy where like there's and versatile shot but yeah, yeah. I, th- I just think he is able to do a lot more things on the basketball court that like even if the shot never quite gets where i want it i think he's gonna have a role where with terrence shannon like the shot has to be there like it's it's not <laughs> it's not great so yeah and mr ray writes in and i think this is where some folks are getting in on this and we talked about it a little bit but mr ray wrote in maxwell said in draft class like this as it currently stands uh, i'm still taking a chance on terrence shannon jr in the 14 to 18 range which i could i guess i could see like in theory i could get but it also feels like you are just settling for like four years of decent production but translation is what i'm kind of more concerned about is it yeah would you rather like would you rather get Terrence Shannon right and have your eighth or ninth man or swing for something that could be more and get it wrong? Yeah. Like personally, I'd rather swing higher. Um, yeah. And we'll have that conversation with a couple other guys later, yeah. but for sure, for sure. Um, yeah. So then another guy who like, again, it's, it's kind of a similar conversation is, is Kevin McCullough Jr. At Kansas mm-hmm. uh, six foot six, another guy like perpetual prospect can be 24 by the time the service NBA season starts against Missouri, Kansas City, 25 points, six boards, five assists, two steals, one block. Every game, he's just stuffing the stat sheet. Same thing against Mizzou, uh, albeit a little bit less efficiently. Uh, 17 points, nine boards, four assists, three steals. It just feels like every game he is flirting with like a five by five. <laughs> like, or a triple double. Is, yeah, <laughs> like he's, he's had some triple doubles. He It's just always a lot of points a good number of rebounds, a good number of assists and some defensive metrics, um, some defensive numbers. So Kevin McCuller has, is another one of these guys who's been on the cusp for a long time. I think where he's different than Terrence Shannon is that he has a legitimate calling card signature skill in his defense. Um, So I'm personally much higher on McCuller. Um, He is quick, smart, and strong. And like, I don't worry about him guarding anybody. He's really physical. Like when he switched mm-hmm. up on a bigger guys, he's not easy to move. He's able to hold his ground. Um, rotationally, he's outstanding. Like he's one of those guys we talk about where the balance is just sublime. Like he never feels like, oh, well, if you just attack him that way, like you're going to have him shaken. Like he he moves perfectly. Um, he's confident. He's got a swagger to him. Uh, when he's guarding down, the feet are excellent. Like one through four, I I feel all right about him guarding just about anybody. Um, The offense has always been more of the question and there's so, so he's always been a poor shooter, like for his career, even having Mm -hmm. a good shooting year, he's still sub 31% from three for his college career. Um, But he's 
always been physically strong. He's always been good at putting it on the floor for somebody his size. He's always been a nice passer uh, for Mm -hmm. someone his size. And he's had some bad turnover games this season. Um, But to me, it's, it's what I've started to brand the Tumani Kamara conundrum where there are guys (laughs) that have like a higher turnover rate and you watch him play. It's like, no, that guy knows how to play. Like these turnovers aren't a guy who is uh, struggling to process what's happening in the court. It's the case of a guy having to make a lot of passes. though they would not have to make in a normal context. Uh, Usually because of Tumani Kamara's case, he was on a team that didn't have a point guard last year. It's like the assist to turnover. You look at it and you're like, eh, but then you watch the games. It's like, Oh, that guy can pass. Like, Kevin McCullough, much better assisted turnover ratio, much better passer than Jumani Kamara, but sort of a similar thing where you're going to see high turnover games from him from time to time. But just contextually, I'm not super worried about that. I don't think that's going to be an issue at the next level where he's taken out of games because he's turning it over. Um, He's gotten much better inside the arc. His junior year, he was like really banged up and injured a lot. And I thought last year you could see the movement, um, particularly on defense, but also just like at the rim, getting downhill, uh, was a lot better offensively. He's he's strong inside. Uh, so you add that, you had the playmaking feel. There's connective elements to his offensive game that if the shot can be a little bit below average, he can play. Yeah, Like he can play in the NBA. He just needs to not be a disaster from the outside. I think he can be that. Um, this year, the volume is better. It's not great. He's taking six uh, threes for 100 possessions. 37.8%. Still some funky stuff with the shot uh the body alignment is a little bit odd his his body's a little bit slanted uh but it is smoother it is faster the release at the top looks better um where he concerns me in relation to somebody like Jaime Jaquez is that if you look at like Jaime's unguarded three-point percentage he had a couple years where it was really high and McCullough just like never been that with McCullough it's like always like whether I'm guarded or not it's 31 (laughs) percent uh like that's just kind of generally where he's been so I'm a little pessimistic about the shot. I'm a little more pessimistic about the immediate translation in relation to somebody like Jaime Jaquez. But I think in a draft like this, he kind of has to go in the first round um, because I do think the difference between him and Terrence Shannon is just he has a signature skill and a calling card that can help give his team an advantage, even if he's having some offensive struggles. Yeah, I've I've really liked him this year, dude. Like I wrote about him late November already of this year, detailing why. I felt like he was a guy that should have been in the first round. And since then, he's had great games. Like, he put up 21 against UConn, 25 against Kansas City. We already talked about the Mizzou game, too. His defense, though, man, has just continued to be immaculate. And that was one of the things that I wrote about him when I kind of compared him to Trace Jackson Davis, where Mm -hmm. everyone kind of felt like Trace Jackson Davis was just, like, the same guy. He's never going to shoot. And even when he got drafted, it's, he didn't really improve the shot. He just he perfected something he was already good at, and he added playmaking to his game. And that's kind of what I feel like Kevin McCuller has done for me this year. You know, he's uh, been solid on defense. But it's worth noting, man, that like the steal percentage and block percentage that he has so far this year is kind of sort of pedestrian for him. Like he's yeah. taken on like a much larger role. And even when he scaled back the defense to kind of compensate for it a little bit, he's still a really good defender. So mm-hmm. when he gets to the NBA and he's afforded the opportunity to just exert his energy and all these like uh, supplementary skill sets compared to what he's doing this year, he's just going to be a dog, dude. And we always say that effort is a skill and Kevin McCuller Jr. is going to bring that in, in bunches. The shooting has come along uh, so far this year. It's been nice to see. Uh, 
I had him in the preseason coming in 32nd, and we had a lot of people um, at No Ceilings kind of had him around this range. Mm-hmm. Um, the Athletic has him at 27 right now. Bleacher Report has him at 15. He went 20th on our uh, 1.0 mock draft over at NoSeilingsNBA.com, and I have him 24th on my board right now. The, the biggest question that I have, Maxwell, is that do you think that he's simply going to be like this 3-and-D prospect that you trust not to embarrass himself? Or do you think that there is a little bit of like Bruce Brown to his game to where like he could be like a short roll decision yeah. maker, um, kind of like a weapon X almost in a lineup? I think that's the hope. And I, I think yeah. there is a possibility of it. Like I know Corey has um, like actually been around Kevin McCuller and has talked about kind of his yeah. thought process as far as when he wants to rework the shot, not tinkering with it too much before he gets the NBA, he wants to work through it with the franchise that he's with. Um, Mm. I think that gives him a little bit more juice and gives me a little bit more belief in him that it's not like I'm trying to fix my shot every off season and I can't get it above 31%. It's like, he's aware that it's an issue and he's kind of waiting till he gets to the league to develop it. Um, I, yeah, I do think that he is, good enough to carve out sort of a unique role in the league. I think there are guys that like, I think about like a Josh Akogi, um, yeah. where it's like different. I mean, they're different physically, like a strong, but he's like six, four wire. He's super long, like guys that just know how to play and have that sort of defensive ability, like find a, find a way to get minutes on NBA yeah. teams. I kind of look at it sort of vain. Like, I don't know. I think there's worlds where he struggles in the playoffs. If the shot sure. doesn't, come along um but i don't have the same doubts about him like being out of the league in a few years like i do about Terrence shannon so i think like yeah i think optimistically i could like a bruce brown type of role where he is just this unique uh playmaker who isn't a jumbo playmaker but still has size and can really bring some things on the defensive end he wouldn't be like a lob target like bruce brown but like yeah like i kind of get what you're saying where it's just like a, a hard to replace role player that brings a lot of defensive value and some unique offense. I think that's something that's definitely on the table for him. Um, I got to admit defeat on this one. He was another guy that I had really low uh, yeah. on my preseason board. Like I straight up wasn't interesting, interested in drafting a guy who um, never had the scoring firepower. He never scored over 11 points per game prior to this year and really struggled with the shot. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm really interested in seeing, uh, where the shot kind of settles throughout the season. He's been making his free throws this year too. Like yep. if he's, if he is doing both of those things, even with the shot being a little bit funky, I, I, I'm probably going to put him pretty high in, in a class like this, because I think there is a level of certainty to him, at least being a regular season NBA player. Okay. That's fair. And real quick, man, uh, Kaiser media just come in and say, almost missed the guys. Just want to say shout out to everybody tuning in right now, Maxwell. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. aware, but, the Cowboys and the Eagles are playing uh, football right now, and that's mm-hmm. in the world of sports. That's a, that's a big game. So shout that's out to everybody. That's, yeah, yeah. So shout Go out birds. to everybody that's tuning in. Yeah, I, I honestly don't care. Um, my Rams lost today to the Ravens, so uh, <laughs> football is over for, for me. So, <laughs> oh um, man, I'm I'm in Chicago. Football's been over for me for years at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's fair. rough out here for the Bears. We gotta get gotta get some help um, for sure. So let's let's move on to our next guy. Let's do Tyler Kolek, who like, yeah. man, we get we get to talk some real interesting draft philosophy uh, tonight. So Kolek, uh, another guy, man, interesting journey, but big week for him yet again. 
a tidy 17 points on eight shots against Notre Dame, uh, along with seven boards and seven assists. And then against Texas, sheesh, 28 points on 16 shots, four for nine from three in that game, eight rebounds, six assists and three steals. He has been uh, fun to watch would be an understatement. He is hyper competitive. Uh, like one of those guys that is like kind of scary. Like it's like, oh yeah, like there's times where it's like, yeah, he'd be fun to play with. And there'd be other times where it's like he might he might beat me up if I make yeah. a mistake. Like he's he's a, he's a scary competitive dude. Uh, but having a great season for Marquette, sort of an interesting trajectory. Uh, played a year at George Mason, transferred to Marquette. Um, has a really good season with them as a table setter as a sophomore, but just like could not put the ball in the basket. Nope. Uh, was 32% from the field that season and 28% from three. One of those guys who was just like, man, fun college player. I'll forget yeah. about him in a couple of years. Uh, as a junior, looks a lot better, has a really strong conclusion to the season. And now this year, 56% from the field, 44% Sheesh. from three, 87% from the free throw line. Getting in on the glass, making fantastic passes being really pesky as a defender um just having a, a really phenomenal year uh another lefty we're gonna do a lot of lefties this week Jeez. um one thing i love about Kolek is his his body like build is, is pretty stocky and thick which i think is really important for smaller guards uh in the modern nba is to have that kind of strength coming in yeah i've seen some concerns about him like finishing because he's not a super vertical guy uh, but I do think that he is really tough at the basket and he's determined to get inside, uh, which is a lot of the battle. Um, the passing, I think, is like spectacular. Like, I think for a long time, yeah. he's been underrated. It's just like a-, a wizard with the ball in his hands. Really clever with how he sets things up, how he looks off his passes. He's one of those guys that can can sling out the live dribble with either hand and do it like long and accurately across the court. Um, also, just keeps his dribble alive really well really good with the, the nash dribble um one of those guys it feels like he's going to get a ton of points in early offense at the nba level like he's going to grab a rebound and just sprint down and just like quick pick and roll uh and get some easy ones that way um i think the shot is a little tricky uh to project i i do think that 21 22 season is probably an outlier but the volume has always been on the low side for him so it's a little tricky just to determine like um what exactly his role is going to be if he's going to be able to get inside the same way at the nba if he is struggling to shoot it um if that determination is a skill that would carry over to the next level um with him being pretty mediocre athletically uh and i think again he's one of these guys where the stock is going to depend on what you think of this class because i do think he does not have starter upside uh frankly um so that's my opinion maybe he does maybe i'm wrong uh i view him more in like kind of a sub Trey Jones kind of role. Uh, so to me, he's probably somebody that you're looking at as a backup guard. And if that's the case, how high do you want to draft a backup point guard? And we've seen how long those guys generally take to come along in the league. Like, is that somebody that you're interested in spending draft capital on in the first round? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I think I have him lower than a lot of people in our collective. And I think it's mostly just a function of philosophy. Uh, but where where are you at with, with Tyler Kolek? And what, and what are you seeing on the court with him? Real quick, roundabouts, where do you have him? Uh, I think I've got him in like the 40s. Okay. Yeah, I, I've been struggling with him, man. And uh, 
I got a couple things and we'll we'll talk philosophy with him because I think it's gonna it's gonna come up either with him or a couple of the other guys that we're gonna yeah. be talking about here in a minute. But what do you think about a Derek Fisher comparison for him? That's interesting. I think I think there is quite a bit of similarity in terms of just like a guy who's not super athletic, but is just like hyper trustworthy and competitive yeah. and like yeah, I, I think that's that's pretty solid. That's interesting. Um, I got to drop it in the group chat and see what the guys think. But yeah, yeah. That's, that just popped in my head when you were like describing him, especially think, when you got to the lefty and competitive part. Yeah, yeah, I think the one point where I have like a little bit of difficulty with it is like Kolick will probably have to be a guy who takes more threes, like is a percentage of his field goals at the next yeah. level than he is now um, to meet that. But that is, yeah, that is interesting. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I have him like in the 34 to 37 range on my board right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shooting has looked really good, dude. Uh, it looks like he is increasing the volume a little bit so far this year, which has been nice to see, uh, especially like on a game by game basis. I don't think that it's going to, I don't think we're going to wake up tomorrow and see like a massive jump, but I yeah. think A to B wise, I think we're going to see where he started out this year and where he finishes it. I think that we're going to see a pretty, uh, pretty, substantial increase overall throughout the year he makes really good passes dude i mean dump off skips decel and kickouts like all those things are really good competes on defense and on the glass uh 52nd percentile in scoring out of the pick and roll which is like very underrated about him 80th when you include passing in the pick and roll so i mean if you're a guard and you can run pick and rolls that that typically travels right i do worry about his build not because he's white specifically just like his (laughs) Like the the build of him, it's not just mm-hmm. the white thing. I promise. Um, and it's and I do worry a little bit about the athleticism. And again, it's not because he's white. I know I know Corey. Uh, I, I love my guy. He's big on you know if he had a skin fade and a sleeve tattoo, like he would be on everyone's. I I don't know if, if that would be true for me. Like I'm not a big Tyler Hero guy, so I don't think that that would do much for me. But um, <laughs> to me, let's talk philosophy, dude, because yeah. I feel like. There's a lot of people that are big on a lot of different guards in this draft mm-hmm. class. So I'm asking, do I bet on him and Reed Shepard and Rod Dillingham and Tyrese Proctor and Kylan Boswell? I mean, am I missing anybody? We'll talk about a guy here in a minute. AJ Mitchell. AJ Mitchell, like, uh, you know, uh, Walter Clayton, DJ uh, Wagner, TJ Wagner, JV McCollum, like, the, the hit rate on these guys is incredibly it's been low. astronomically low the last several years. Yes. So it's like, is this suddenly going to be the year where seven of them hit like, or, or I, are none of them going to hit, but we dislike them better than everybody else. And that's the thing that I want to talk about. Right. So I, I I've mentioned this a couple of times, but like, do I want to ignore how hard it is and how, how, how low of a hit rate guys of this build are even making it into the league, even while being incredibly productive college players. Like would I, would I rather be wrong in, in betting on production or be correct, just ignoring production and just focusing on how players of this build typically translate up to the NBA. And that's what I'm struggling with because mm-hmm. I know that this, this is a draft of all drafts because of the, the status of it, that, we just have to go with people who we feel like can just play basketball. But Maxwell, there's like uh there's 
a, a deep pool of like these guards that are all kind of similar in skill set. Like, do NBA teams just take a chance on like bigger built players who might not be as productive, but project to be, you know, especially if we get like some of these younger prospects, like, do we, like, how are you sorting through all of this? Like as a scout, man? Yeah. Like, I don't want to, this is going to sound harsh. Like, and I don't, I, I worry that by buying in into so many of these like quote unquote safe players, in mm-hmm. a year like this that it's it can almost like give you too much of like a loser mentality of yeah. just like i i'm not gonna have imagination i'm not gonna bet on anybody i'm just gonna take the safe guys i think there is like there's always a time and place to gamble and generally i like productive players like i so much yeah. i feel so much safer just betting on a guy like like julian strother last year is a guy where it's like yeah he's not sexy but like i know what he does on an nba court like it's it's easy to put a first round grade on a guy like that, it feels so much safer. Who can with a, who's six seven and can rebound like crazy too. Yes, yeah. yeah. With yeah. a guy like Tyler Kolek, it's just really hard to like get on the floor if you're yeah. a guard in the NBA. And like even with the three point volume going up this year, it's still really like below average um, by NBA standards. There are guys like like Monte Morris and Andrew Nembhard are the other two guys that like come to mind of like. Lower volume guys, not super athletic, but fit some of those same traits that stuck. So I think it's possible. Um, but again, like those are just guys that don't start on great teams. Um, and then it's like, okay, well, like Nemhard, like, yeah, theoretically, like in a redraft, he goes higher. But it's just like, how many of those gambles, like, would you really regret? I don't know. Like, I, I think teams, especially teams that are, rebuilding are just going to want to shoot a little bit higher and i i kind of know i would too um i think that's fair eric reynolds another one that's a surgeon in in draft conversations too yeah yeah i think with kolik specifically i like him more than a guy like an aj mitchell like i think i think kolik does more nba stuff than a lot of those Mm -hmm. other guards um but i think like with but to me a guy like reed shepherd is more appealing where it's just like hey he's got a superpower like he is a nasty 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 defender and like i I don't know i'd rather bet on a guy where it's like with kolik like i said i think he's a really great passer but i think he's a little bit more dependent on needing the jump shot to like get inside and do everything else with reed shepherd it's like i know he can catch and shoot i know he can defend it's just a little bit easier for me to see that like i don't really like athletic, on guys where it's just stronger passing and i worry about yeah. the offense and scoring uh yeah so let's do another guard <laughs> yeah let's let's do uh donovan dent from new mexico who's like a red hot name right now uh yeah. two big games this past week um i watched the game against uc santa barbara he had 23 points eight assists two steals and two blocks uh and then he also had a great game against santa clara 22 points six boards four assists and three steals in that one. Um, I'm going to let you take the lead on Dent because I know a lot of people in our collective are, are starting to like him a lot. Um, yeah. I think like I'm a little bit behind that curve. Uh, I, I think he's a really good player. I do think he's a real NBA prospect at some point, but he's not a guy that I'm like, I hope he declares. Like, I, I really want him to kind of work some stuff out. But what, what are you seeing with Donovan Dent, who is a 6'2 sophomore at New Mexico? Yeah, I mean, he came storming into the draft conversations like, Last week, uh, Corey talked about it a little bit on our show that he woke up and had uh, someone in an NBA front office 
uh, just text him uh, Donovan Dent with like 27 exclamation points at the end of it. So that's significant, right? That NBA front offices are also taking notice of this guy. He wasn't listed on the athletic or bleacher report. So like we had him 43rd going to Portland on our mock draft. So I think that we're, we kind of got out in front on him a little bit. He's in the 62nd percentile on total offense, 86th in defense, uh, a very like underrated, I think so far, like defensive guard, especially for his size, right? Um, an aggressive driver has a quick first step, bevy of moves around the cup, can finish through traffic. Like he took it right at AJ Mitchell, who people, not me, but people are, are really big on this season, right? Uh, finishes with his inside hand on the same side foot. So he's uh, kind of got like a herky-jerky nature, like a little bit of unorthodox uh, nature to his game. I like the way that he can navigate screens. He has some surprising ups for his size and build too that can kind of take you off of uh, off, off kilter a little bit. Does have a tendency to drive and uh, kind of like have a fake strong take where he goes to the rim, but the upper body leans away from contact <laughs> as the defender engages. Uh, which has led to quite a few misses. I wish that he would not do that. But I, again, like at his size, you do kind of have to learn some different tricks to get to get points or at least get to the free throw line. I don't know if he has tried a left-handed layup all season long, though. Uh, it makes very good reads off of live action dribble pick and roll sets. Does have a propensity to get to the rim and figure the rest out later. I uh, wish that he would kind of like get to know his escape routes a little bit more. Has nice touch on high passes, has uh, some really good zip on his corner kicks, uses the threat of his shot to open up his passes, which I really like a lot. On defense, I do like his help instincts for his size. He doesn't shy away from screens despite his stature, like really good at navigating them, actually. Um, can use his speed for closeouts and shot contests, which uh, he has been able to get a hold of several shots doing that, kind of like psyching out the defense a little bit, playing safety. He mirrors the ball as handler stride. We'll get into the pick and I think that he will get pick and rolled to death in the NBA, but I do like his effort has a tendency to overcommit to passing lanes, getting in front of his man to front the pass because of his size. Again, uh, can play far off of his man and help relying on that speed right now. Maxwell, I have him 54th on my board. If I'm him, I don't think that I'm, I don't think I've won the race getting drafted at 54 or somewhere in that neighborhood. So kind of like you, I am hopeful that he uh, just does really good this season, like gets on everyone's radar, has a has an average to above average uh, combine outing, uh, gets gets told his range and comes back as a potential like top 20 player next year is kind of like what I what I would hope for with him, because I don't I don't think if I'm him, I'm going to be satisfied being a second round pick. Yeah, I, I need to update my board tonight when we're done. Um, I don't believe I'm going to have him in draftable range, just to be frank. Um, okay. So I'll get to my my concerns in a little bit. I, I think you touched on a lot of good stuff for the offense. I think the real physical trait that he has at stand out is his speed. He has end yes. for a guard. He is very, very fast. Uh, and he's really slippery, too. Like, he's not one of those guys that is just, like, hard charging toward the rim, and that's it. Like, he yeah. can kind of dice and... And use footwork to get to his spots. His deceleration is really good. Uh, like how he sees the floor. Um, when he sees an open man, like the speed at which he delivers the ball is something that really stands out. Like there's no lazy looping stuff. Like it, it's just getting wired uh, to the guy that's open. For a guy who gets into the paint so often, his interior passing game is really good. 
Mm -hmm. Love how he jumps the ball off to his bigs. Um, and he has that last second fluidity as a decision maker. Yeah. Like he's not Derrick Rose, but like when I did that piece a year ago, looking at Scoot Henderson in comparison to Derrick Rose and his uh, college pre-draft season, it's that same type of thing. Just that ability to uh, get to the rim, see what's there, and then and then make a decision at the last second. Uh, it's something that really stands out for him. Um, I also think he's a pretty capable exterior passer too. Like when he's not getting all the way to the rim, he can still find guys. Um, he does have craft at the basket where I worry. Uh, oh, and on the defensive tip real quick, I do like the defense. Obviously a guy who works yeah. really hard. Awesome steal and block numbers. Love how he elevates. Um, he just gets his hands on the ball a lot. Like any guy that touches the ball a lot on defense, I like. <laughs> like he's just always yeah. getting his hands into stuff, whether it's at the POA or on digs or whatever. Um, he can die on screens. And that is where I worry about him is I just think physically he is very underdeveloped uh, from an mm-hmm. enemy standpoint. I know that strength is something that guys tend to gain once they get to the league with the guard position being what it is now and him being a low volume three point shooter. We're talking about a guy who's taking uh, 2.3 threes per 100 possessions, uh, which is, astronomically low i'm gonna just pull up my uh my draft model real quick and see if there are any examples of that from guys who stuck at the guard position uh in the last few years i don't know that there are um i think that the thing that i the would lowest is 2.6 which was shay but shay yeah. is also quite a bit taller and probably yeah, still more athletic. a little bit um yeah so with that and a physical strength concern just kind of like what's the rush you know what i mean like why am i tripping I'm, over I'm myself to draft a guy that like and i thought this is a really good comp resball drop the ish smith comp uh in the yeah. chat which like yeah like that's kind of the idea um cory hit us with the aaron brooks comparison the houston Rod- rockets great aaron brooks well like why like what is what is that in the modern nba you know what i mean like again it's just yeah. like an aim higher discussion of maybe I'm being too low on guards. Maybe I'm being too harsh. And maybe if this class is bad, that is the right pick is the guy that's just going to stick around. Um, but yeah, I would so much rather he just like keep working on stuff. Cause like, if this guy shoots, then like maybe he is on a path to um, have that starter upside. And I think we lose sight of the fact too often too, that like guys are best positioned coming into the league, like ready to earn a second contract. Like if yeah. he can have like one more summer in college where he comes in and the body's a little bit better and the jump shot is there, like then maybe he gets onto the floor in his first season or his second season instead of like, just like look at what happened to Trevor Keels. Look at what happened to Ty Ty Washington. Look at what happened to Kennedy Chandler. Like when you Jamie don't Davis have something that you're ready to do your first year, if you're a guard, teams are just like, all right, we're moving on. See ya. Like there's too many of them. There are too many guys, six foot three and under that are really good at playing basketball. So Dent. already in the nba yeah and that's not even just in this class like we just mm-hmm. talked about a second ago right like how many guards are in this class for sure so i worry about guys like that i think the move is just to be as ready as humanly possible before you come out of your guard i think that that's totally fair man and i i think too that maybe the hope is that you get them like anthony simons right like get a really young guard um not physically ready but you see the vision he does have that speed he does have the shooting touch 
you he does have like the right mentality, I think, too, that you would want in a point guard if you're drafting one out of college to come to the NBA is like this never say die point guard, right? Like who knows how big he is or how not big he is, but is still able to make a, an impact all over the court, right? Like there is a lot of encouraging aspects to dense game. But again, it's like, am I am I running to the podium at any point in this draft to like if I'm in like the, the mid second and I've had my fair share of picks already, like, yeah, I would, why not like go get Den? I think it's going to be kind of like a team dependent team philosophy thing. Just like every pick is going to be including Dent, Right. But I think that I, I don't know if he would want that. That's my biggest mm-hmm. thing is like, is Dent going to be happy with being a mid to late, maybe even like, maybe even an early second. Do you, do you want to be an early second? Uh, I, I don't know. Like maybe, I guess it would depend on the contract that you get. But once you yeah, get sure. past like outside thirty five, I don't, I don't know if you want to, if you want that pick. Yeah. And like this year too, how many teams are gonna like want to offer the two A instead of like the second round four year? Yeah, that extra like, two way. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how many of those are gonna like the four year deals are gonna be out there this year. Like a guy like uh, like a Jordan Walsh or somebody got last year. Like I don't know how many teams are gonna be like, oh yeah, like we're ready to commit to you. Like I just don't know how many guys like that are going to be there in the second round this year? The teams are like eager to sign up for four years of um, let's do a break. We'll come back yep. and we'll hit some fe- uh, feature focus. So stick around for that. We're going to have some extended talk on uh, Michael Jai as well as Cody Williams. So stick with us. We will be right back. All right, so let's hit uh, Cody Williams first. I wrote about Cody this week. That mm-hmm. is going to be out uh, likely by the time you're listening to this. It's going to be out Monday morning. Um, Cody Williams is a six foot eight freshman at Colorado. Uh, was a top ten recruit using just about every metric you can find. Um, he is on the skinny side, so he's like 109 yeah. pounds right now, but he is a good athlete. Like he is like unquestionably an average to above average NBA athlete. Uh, he has a really interesting statistical profile. <laughs> um, he's scoring super, super efficiently this year. Like his true shooting percentage, um, I believe is like almost over 70 or something like that. It's like a 67.7 is the true shooting percentage. So he's a guy who does most of his work inside. Um, 8.7 shots per game, 7.3 of those are twos. Uh, gets to the free throw line a ton. Uh, one thing that stood out to me is just from a rim pressure standpoint, mm-hmm. he takes the same percentage of shots at the rim as guys like Scotty Barnes, Paulo Bancaro, and Jalen Brown took in college, which is like kind of nutty. When you're talking about somebody who is thin and not like an elite athlete. Um, I don't know if that's like cause for concern. If that's something you're like, well, this is probably not translatable because those guys have physical gifts and tools that he doesn't. Or if it's just something where you say, hey, he might not be built like those guys, but like because of his craft, he's still getting there as much as them. Very good at setting up his ball screens. Um, I think I've seen I've seen some people criticize the handle. I don't think he's like a I'm gonna cook you guy, but he's really yeah. good at keeping his dribble alive. Uh doesn't always get where he wants, but like doesn't really cough it up, like and 
has some counters. Like I, I think his handle is quite good for somebody his size. If you just look at the stuff he can't do, there's reason to be you know a little frustrated. But I think the building blocks are, are tremendous on that front. Um, good cutter, uh, good second side guy, uh, attacking closeouts. Know which knows which foot to drive at when a guy is closing out on him. Um, and the touch is really tremendous. Like even if he's not getting a clean look or he's getting bumped, he's pretty tough. He doesn't wilt against contact. Uh, can float it high off the glass, can find a good angle no matter what, can use either hand, like just very, very proficient at scoring inside the basket, uh, inside and around the basket. Assist rate is around 13.5, which is a good mark for a forward. Um, not a great rebounder at this stage, but on a team with a lot of great rebounders. So I think he's probably a little better than the numbers would suggest. Would you? I would think so. Yeah, um, I, I like his rebounding, especially on the offensive side. I think yeah, had some great really sneaky, rebounder. yeah, like yeah. get inside, get get the position, get a putback kind of plays. Um, but I do think there's like some grab and go upside. Uh, his entries are sharp. I stay up. I uh, can skip it out of his dribble. Um, a little bit more advanced of a floor reader, um, but just kind of a guy that is really poised and plays within himself as a playmaker for others. Defensively, I think he's been really solid. Um, I think he's almost fundamental to a fault. Like his playmaking metrics on defense are are pretty uninspiring. Uh, but you watch him throughout the course of the game. He can really stick with guys, can test really well, like how he moves his feet. Um, would like to see him be a little bit more like daring in terms of using that feel <laughs> that he shows on offense to make some more plays. Yeah. Uh, the, the question is the shot. Um, he is a spectacular 60% from three on the year. Yes. Uh, the... The issue with that is that uh, he is very rarely shooting the ball. 1.4 threes per game. Um, There are small volume success stories. Uh, Grant Williams is like the big one, but I get into the article like as well, like Rui Hachimura, Herb Jones, Pascal Siakam. Like there are guys that have just like become decent uh, outside shooters where it's not like, oh yeah, Herb Jones is electric from deep, but Herb Jones isn't going to like completely kill your spacing. Uh, so, and if Cody can just be that, I think like he's cooking as a second side guy. So I'm optimistic that he can be that. Where have you been with, with Cody Williams throughout the season? What kind of range do you see him in on your board? Yeah. So, I mean, Maxwell, you remember when we did our freshman preview, like I, I loved Cody Williams, man. Like I had him six on my board coming into the year. Uh, I have him six on my board now. I think I could easily move him up to, to four or five even. Um, definitely the type of player, Maxwell. I, t- I told you this. I tell anybody, if you're if you're like that six six to six seven with with handle fluidity and court vision, like it's really hard for me to not fall in love with you, right? Um, but he's just been so smooth when attacking the rim. I love his fluidity. I love the use of uh, body shielding. He looks like a pro doing it. You know, have the, like our herky jerky cadence to his game that he can manipulate the defense. You mentioned the the some shooting touch, I, I would call it, you know, 60% from deep on 10 attempts, not the highest of volumes, but I mean, there's a little bit to where it's like, sometimes we get so wrapped up on the volume conversation. It's like, well, if you're only going to take 10, I'd rather you make six than the alternative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm glad that he's at least hitting them. Uh, most of his game is coming away from the ball, which is, a little different than what I thought. I knew coming into the year that he was going to have to split some some ball handling, especially with KJ on the team, who's looked pretty good, by the way. Um, it's just that I wish that he was um, a little bit more on the ball. But I, I think that his game is still good enough to allow him to shine in a supporting role. 
I just would like to see what it looked like when he was, you know, running some pick and rolls a little bit more with uh, with Eddie Lampkin. That's all. Um, I love the fact that he's getting dirty points on the offensive glass. We touched on that a little bit. He's in the fifty the fifty fourth percentile in overall um, overall defense. Um, I do like his man to man defense. He does need to get stronger, obviously, to fight around some of these screens. He's not super explosive, but I do think that with that improved strength, that is that will come eventually, like just due to his age, right? Like that improved strength will help him. But in the meantime, he's using a great job of using his length to bother ball handlers and shooters. I think when when we look at a player like him, right? Like at his age, at his size, and you start looking at the ball handling, the touch around the basket, the rebounding, um, how he can get into certain matchups and just really find creative advantages at his age and how poised he is. I just, I love him, man. Like Bleacher Report has him at nine. The Athletic has him at five. We took him fifth overall in our latest mock draft to the Portland Trailblazers. Fifth is, or excuse me, sixth is where I have him. But like I said, he's in like that, I think I would say probably four to four to seven is the mm-hmm. range that where I could really see him, uh, really see him at. I, I also wouldn't be surprised if he just gets taken higher because the the bloodline aspect of it too, right? Like where you worry about the strength, like or do you think that teams are looking at what Jalen is doing in the NBA and to where now he is almost as wide as he is tall, just pure muscle. Like he just looks like <laughs> yeah. a freaking tank out there and can play the four at his size, right? Like I, I don't know if that gives you a little bit more comfort that, that Cody mm-hmm. is going to get a little bit stronger moving forward, you know? For sure. Yeah. And if he does like, yeah, then the shot, like I say, it doesn't matter that he's not a shooter, but it gives him a lot more uh, flexibility in terms of the sure. types of, of lineups that he can play in and things like that. Um, let's get to your feature because you dropped a, a yeah. really great interview and you've got an article coming up. Let let everybody know uh, kind of what you what you've got cooking on the written side this week. Yeah. So my uh, feature prospect this week is uh, Michael Dejai, who I did write or excuse me, that I did do an interview on, which is over at the No Ceilings NBA YouTube channel. Um, first off, I just want to say, man, that like this was the best interview. I don't know if best is right. It's been my favorite interview that I've done. I'll put it mm-hmm. like that because, I mean, first off, Michael is just a great kid. You know, he's got a fantastic story. One of these late growth spurt guys, Maxwell, that you and I both have come to love a lot. Um, he's just his nickname is marathon. And in the, uh, in the article, I kind of write about why it's just, it's a very cool story, man. But like to hit beyond just like how nice of a guy and how great of a story is, he's a top 10 scorer and rebounder in college basketball, which is also really cool. You know, um, he's, he's, this is his first season in D one basketball, man. Like he was a, a Juco star for two years. Like that was his only offer outside of high school what's to go pay for uh, Pierce college and in, in Washington state. And then he went to Pepperdine and wasn't even a top 100 Juco player uh, for the Juco rankings that come out annually, like wasn't even top 100. And here he is like in his first, what, nine, 10 games in NCAA basketball, just being a top scorer and rebounder. It's insane, man. But um, I don't want to, I don't want to share too much yeah. um, because my thoughts are going to be, uh, on the website here soon. He is a top 100 player for me. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him test the waters and uh, play college basketball again and just really add to the game because 
one thing that he prides himself on and what you can already see is that he's extremely coachable. So I think that if he doesn't get like a promise to be like a, a top 58 guy in the draft this season, then I could definitely see him getting taking whatever feedback he's giving and and just bulldog it into the dirt and just like be a champion of it because he is that's just been his MO ever since he was uh cut from his uh varsity team two times in, in high school. Man, he is a player. Like he was a guy where um I had zero expectations coming into the season because to be frank, I did not know who he was. Um, and like three games into the year, I'm getting blown up by people being like, you need to watch this guy. And I was like, wait, a guy on like Pepperdine. It's like, no, I watched a ton of Pepperdine like last year. How do I not know who this guy is? And then you dig in, you see that, yeah, he was, he was at Pierce and, uh, you kind of really beat the drum. Like you were the one that like, actually like where I was like, okay, like everyone's a lot of people are blowing this guy, this guy up, but like Steven is buying in. Like I got, I got to check him out. Um, I'm impressed. Um, also, and like, also like, I just wonder like, do we need to start like watching for transfer ups more? Cause like, there's like all these like random, like yeah. NAIA guys and like Juco guys that have just been like killing it lately. Like these, these transfer ups from levels other than division one are, are scaling up a lot better uh, than I think I anticipated. Um, Mm-hmm. Love, love the game. Um, I, I really haven't put too much of thought as far as like ranking him, but we're dealing with a guy who is six foot seven and like unquestionably has an NBA body and NBA physical yep. tools, athleticism, and physical strength. Uh, really smooth and slippery, kind of downhill, comfortable putting it on the deck. Uh, want to see him be a little bit more aware of his surroundings and limiting his turnovers and things like that, adding some deceleration, just kind of slowing things down. I, I wonder if part of that is just. A function of transferring up and having to make a, a speed adjustment uh, at this level. Um, the shot, I, I'm a little just confused by. He's he's hitting his threes this year. The volume is low, uh, yeah. 2.3 game, but 55%, uh, just under 70 from the free throw line. Kind of really sits down and almost like squats uh, in the motion, but like on his mid range pull up, it looks really good. Um, he loves really, his mid range, by the way. Like yeah, he very good. There. He says that. Um, once he gets to his mid range, he knows it's over for the other team. And he's he also mentions know. that he uh, that he that he knows that the three point shot takes a little bit, and it's something that mm. his coaching staff is trying to work with him on. That's great to hear. Um, yeah. The defense I, I like a lot. Uh, really attentive off the ball. Um, like how he uses his length to get into it. Um, when he's on the ball, he stays with guys really well. And one of those guys where the body is really strong too. So like he moves his feet and sticks with guys. They can't get anywhere against him. Um, and it just as like a helper and gambler, like knows when and what to do and what he can and can't get away with. Um, I, big time rebounder. <laughs> like you yeah. mentioned, like one of those guys that's just going to always punch above his weight, averaging 10 a game uh, on the glass this year. Uh, man. I put in my notes like this is a guy that feels like at worst he's going to be at combine like in the elite camp in 2025 as long as the jump shot like continues along. Uh, yeah, I, I want to see the shot improve. So like I, I would like to see him do, do a fourth year, but he's going to be a guy. Like just unquestionably, he's going to be a guy. I, I feel like the the trajectory, the late growth spurt, the physical tools, the toughness. 
the defense, the ability to score, the rebounding. Like it's just a certain point. Like you add those things up at six seven with that type of body, and like teams are going to be interested. Like, and I, I hate I hate making like these kind of comps because it always feels mean. But like a guy like Brandon Johns at VCU who got like yeah. a yeah I think it was like a Portsmouth or Elite Camp invite, and it's like you watch him play, and it's just like kind of uninspiring. But it's like yeah, but he's six eight and can play and like has a body. <laughs> and yeah. like that that is enough like ajaya like has all of those things uh but i'm much more optimistic about what he can become um and he's got a really great developmental trajectory going on so like he's a guy mm-hmm. that i think like bottom line foot is going to be in the door yeah and and the thing that people might not know about him and and I got to stop kind of like being modest about this, but like mm-hmm. people don't know about him because I was literally his first ever like interview. Yeah. You know, yeah. like he, people don't know about him. You know, he, he was also played ba- high school basketball during COVID. Right. And this mm-hmm. when was when he grew to six foot five and started playing varsity and averaged 11 points and nine rebounds. Right. So he had one Juco offer and it was a local Juco school. And the, the reason that he is on Pepperdine is because he know he knew somebody that knew somebody. If you want to know who he knows that, and and who that guy knows, that's in the article. I really want people to check that out. But like, people don't know about him because there's nothing online about him, Maxwell. Like, if you want to get to know Michael, like, go and listen to the interview. Come and read the article on Monday. It you're gonna learn. You're gonna walk away more intelligent about who Michael is as a person and a player if you do that. And I'm just I'm happy that uh that I was able to kind of help get his name out there a little bit because super good dude, super hard worker um, is just, you, you talked to him for two seconds and you're hooked, man. Like he is just a very likable guy. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that will do feature focus. Stay tuned for the sicko section, uh, sicko session. We've got yeah. some really fun sleepers, uh, multi-year guys, guys that are popping up out of nowhere, guys that might be draft eligible this year. It's a fun, fun mix. So stay tuned for that. We will be back on the other side of the break. All right, so Stephen, we're gonna have you lead it off with your first sicko pick. Yeah, so I was really struggling with this because I almost like, do we put him as winner of the week? Even because like he is, he's a he's a guy who's been floating out there too. Another guard who would have thunk, um, but Xavier Lee out of Princeton uh, just lost their first game today, and Lee was still uh, able to make a big impact for his team. Kept the game close. Did miss a couple of clutch free throws, man. But I just, he's one of these guys, you know, Malik Mack out of Harvard. Now it's just like these Ivy League schools are starting to become, like this is how good of a state the game of basketball is in now, Maxwell, when Princeton has like two guys that are worth your time scouting if you were into scouting basketball. And (laughs) he might be like a real dude down the line. You know, he's a, He's in the 89th percentile in overall offense, 91st, including passes. He's in the 95th percentile in pick and roll sets, 94th, including passes. There are seven play types, Maxwell. People who people who do this type of research will really appreciate this. There are seven different play types where he has recorded over 10 possessions, right? So he's used in a wide range for Princeton, right? Very versatile, very quick and uh, shifty, has a quick release, deep range, real nose for the rim. Which the the free throw rate is decent. It's around thirty. I thought it would have been higher based on the way that he plays basketball. Um, he's pretty good at poking and prodding around the paint. 
good vision. I like his handle is pretty crafty. Good change of pace with it. With it. I like how he uses the screens. He's actually really good at rejecting the screen too. Uh, tendency to pick up his dribble a little bit against bigger defenders. Is slight of frame, but plays brave and confident. I like his decision-making, man. And just insert more small guard concerns that come along defensively with Xavier Lee. But he's been he's been a fun watch so far this year. What have you thought about Lee? He's good. He's good. He was one of the teams who popped up a lot around U19s this offseason. And people were like, oh, man, like he's having some great gains for, for Canada. And it's like, well, how much that is just like role? Like how much of that is like, yeah, Canada needs a guy that can that can hoop and he can do it. And like scored five points a game in the Ivy League. Like, what are, what are we really getting excited about? And now he comes back and he's almost averaging 20 points a game in the Ivy League on uh, 48-40-87 shooting splits. Uh, yeah. He is good. He is really good. Uh, you mentioned the amount of talent in the Ivy League uh, right now. I just did, like, a quick look through. Uh, I I sort of keep, like, a running list of potential, like, no-stone unturned guys. Mm-hmm. I've got, like... It's not a deep list at this point. So you're really early in the year. I've got five Ivy League games <laughs> on Jeez. the list. There's a lot of potential NBA talent in the Ivy League. And Savion Lee is one of those guys. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, Yeah, just to like get the concerns out of the way. Yeah, I, I worry a little bit about like the frame because he's listed, I believe, at 6'3". I don't believe he is 6'3". Um, plays a little smaller, yeah. Yeah, plays a little small, a little skinny. Um but the the dude's a bucket, like genuine NBA range, really great off the catch. Um, but also like a genuine rim pressure guy. Um, yep. touch around the basket's really good, but real downhill speed, deep counter bag, good dribble moves. I thought something that really stood out was in the Drexel game. They were putting bigger guys on him, and like he still blew by him. And like that was like one of those yep. things where like as soon as it was happening, it was like, All right, I need to pay attention to this because this is gonna be key from an evaluation perspective. Like, is this just a guy who does a lot in a smaller league, but like you throw a guy who is six foot five on him and it's game over. And it wasn't like he did really well uh, in those circumstances. I think one thing that's interesting is that he is good against contact and not afraid against it. Like you said, almost saying you'd anticipate the free throw rate to be even higher than it is. Uh, yeah. But I, I thought it was interesting that like, he's a no dunk guy. He kind of finishes below the rim a lot. But he's also a pretty good shot blocker for a guard and like has some yeah. pop on the defensive end. So it's like, all right, is it going to stay that way? Like in two years, will we look back and not think of him as a below the rim offensive player? I think I think that's a possibility. Um, the passing is like solid. I don't love it, but I think he's reliable and steady. If nothing else is a playmaker at this point, um, like the defense, like I said, uh, awareness is good, really explodes on contests moves his feet um nothing crazy but solid it just the size is, is where i get hung up on him as far as him like I, I don't think i could ever really project him as a plus guy at the next level unless he kind of fills out a little bit more i want to see the pull-up shot come along um mostly just best like catching and going which is fine like there's a lot of guards that that stick in that mold right now but i think to like you got to really stand out when you're playing at a smaller school i think the pull-up is sure. except for him but yeah, good, good pick, and a guy that I think has like way more of a shot <laughs> than I would have a year ago, scoring five points a game in the Ivy League. Yeah, um, man, and like you, like you said, basketball is in a really good state. Uh, Caden on his team, Pierce is a 
pretty intriguing talent and a guy who I knew coming into the year from last year. But yep. Xavier has just been a, a pleasant surprise, man. Just uh, hard, hard to ignore, you know? Mm. Yeah, Caden Pierce was a Glenbard West guy uh, from Glen Ellen, <laughs> Illinois. So there you one, go. Of those, one of those towns I, I drive through on a, a pretty consistent basis, having it uh, kind of be be in my area. So uh, really pulling for him, too. Like, there's a lot of guys that are are, are kind of local that I've got a, a rooting interest in, and, and Caden Pierce is one of them. Uh, let's do Pacom Daddy yet. Uh, on yeah. Home. He is a guy that, like, I watch some games and I'm like, all right, I get why he's like a second round guy. And then I watch other games and I'm like, maybe he's going to be a first round guy. I, I I do think there's a real upside here. So he's six foot eight, listed around 210. Um, he is still going to be 18 years old at the time of the draft. Big deal. Yes. Good size on him and he moves like an NBA player. The defense has like some lapses here and there. Um, like there are times where he just frankly gets a little bit lost off the ball. There's times where he's a little bit upright and a little bit narrow. Uh, but there's also times where he's really scrappy, where he's really hounding guys to the point of attack, where he's competitive on the glass, where his rotations are sharp and his balance and recovery are all kind of on display. Um, offensively, I love that he can finish above the rim but he's still got some finesse. Like if it's not a dunk, he can still finish with his touch. And I think the jump shot is real. Like he is yeah. shooting around 37, 38%, but he's hitting tougher threes. He's hitting threes with a hand in his face. Now. Um, I think when he is chased off the line, like he can put it on the floor a little bit. He's not a guy with a bag, uh, but he can see the floor. He can dribble in a straight line and he can finish. And I think another thing that stands out about him is that everything is done with authority. He cuts mm -hmm. hard. He screens hard. He slips hard. It's not a guy who is going through the motions. If it's not something that's going to set up him getting the ball. Like he, he just plays with a good, good energy and good level of effort. Um, with this class having uh, some potential issues, as far as depth goes, it's like we talked about, like just general draft philosophy. I would rather swing and miss on Pacom Dadier than, hit on a Tyler Kolick. Like if I'm getting a Jeff green type of player and a guy who is, uh, you know, can make the occasional three can pressure the rim, can move around the floor and just has that level of athleticism. I think that has much more value that like, even if I'm less confident in him sticking, uh, I, I would much rather just kind of, kind of roll the dice there. So I've got him around like 31 or so right now. Ooh. I think a first round grade is real possible Ooh. for him come the end of the year. Where are you at with them? I'm so Maxwell. I love you, man. Um, I just want to say that um, I find in, in my kind of short history of doing this, that mock drafts are a little bit slower or not mock drafts, but like even heavily dedicated draft outlets, especially those that are based stateside are usually behind the power curve compared to what NBA teams are already looking at with international guys. So the fact that Pacome is 61 on the athletics list, he was 57th on Bleacher Report. He went 26 to the Indiana Pacers on our mock draft. He's 20th on my board. Mm -hmm. The fact that Pacome has these draft outlets already having him in a draftable range, I feel like NBA teams are already talking and thinking about this guy as a real 
as a real prospect, especially with some of these outlets like the athletic Sam talks to the teams all the time. Right. So if he's putting a guy down in a draftable range, then you kind of know that NBA front offices are already entertaining him. Right. Um, I, I love him though, man. Like he has great length. He has a wingspan. The wingspan looks like it's plus. I would really love to know what it is. Mm-hmm. I think that he can, you know, untie his shoes sitting, you know, like standing up. You know, I I think his wingspan is just incredible. Um, looks very fluid, has good speed. I love on his drives, Maxwell. You talked about how it can be somewhat limited. He still has a good instinct on like how to really uh, create separation just using his wingspan and his body and driving angles to to be able to get a shot up. Um, can be a little loose with the ball, like you said, but I, I do love his overall strength already at his age. He needs to expand as a passer, but I do like the overall skill set as a multi-level scorer. I would, we, I would be willing to bet, Maxwell, that you start seeing his name climb already throughout the season. Like I mentioned, he's already popping on boards despite not, despite not having like any love during the preseason, I think that we might've been one of the only like reputable outlets that like even mentioned his name coming into the season. So the fact that like this guy is going from a relative unknown to a lot of draft outlets to already being well within like top seventies, top sixties for no ceilings, like top thirties that, that speaks volumes to how talented this dude already is, man. And I think that there's, this dude could be Ushman Zhang. Like he could be drafted in sure. kind of yeah. like a, like he could be drafted like late lottery for a team that's got multiple picks. Like I wouldn't be surprised if the Thunder draft him like with the, sure. their second yeah. first round pick this year. Yeah, I think he's one of those guys where like you want to be really careful with your developmental context if you're bringing him in. But yeah, um, yeah, like certainly a much more interesting roll of the dice to me in, in a class like this. Um, who do you have next on on your docket here? Yeah, I have a a guy who I'm just I'm dying to get your opinion on, man, mm-hmm. because he's a guy that popped for me when I wrote my uh even before I wrote my Kevin McCuller piece and I did like a a part at the end where I went sicko mode and I ran like a draft model of guys who are like sophomore freshmen that are doing things that project to be draftable somewhere down the line. And I went through that whole list. And right now the hit rate on that list is looking really good. And I shot this guy's name to you. And a few hours later, I guess you had like spoken to someone with an NBA front office. Yeah. And, and they, <laughs> and they were, were like, like, I got a sicko for you. And I was like, Steven's already got him. <laughs> yeah. So uh, en- enough, enough, uh, uh, enough delay here. We'll, we'll talk about, Deshane Montgomery out of the NBA prospect powerhouse Mount St. Mary's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I could I could speak to him all day, dude, because I I'm a big fan of his game. Like he's a dude, Maxwell. When we talk about sleepers, there's guys where we're like, oh, this guy could be something. Mm-hmm. I would be willing to like go out there and slap my name next to him and be like, yeah. this is a like this is a very real prospect, not just like a oh, maybe he's a top 80 player in two seasons or something like that. Like this is a, this dude's got some juice to him. What do you, what did you think about him when you went, went and watched him? He was interesting. Another lefty uh, that we've <laughs> somehow managed to work our way into this it's episode. part of my draft model. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Left-handed. Uh, <laughs> another one of those guys were just real NBA physical tools, like six foot four, looks six foot four, um, NBA speed, NBA leaping ability. 
Uh, love how he attacks the basket. Like gets really yeah. low, big, long strides. He's fast, uses speed, but also uses that deceleration to kind of get guys off balance. Huge leaper, big time elevator off one foot, finishes with both hands, doesn't fade against contact at all. Another one of those guys where like, the free throw rate is low and it's like, Man, I feel like I saw that guy catch some bodies. Like I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily like sweat the free throw rate with a guy like that. Um, where I love the defense, by the way, too, makes a ton of plays, yeah. really great length, and really fast with his hands. Uh, makes rim rotations like that you would more expect out of like a three or a four than a guy who is six foot four uh, in terms mm-hmm. of just like recognizing like I've got to help out at the rim right now and I'm going to get there and turn a guy away. Like he can do some really cool stuff on that front. Steal and block rates go crazy. Uh, 6.7 steal percentage, 5% block rate. Like, bonkers, bonkers numbers for a guard. Uh, to the point where, like, hey, level of competition, like, I'll wipe my butt with that. Like, the, it, that you don't yeah. see those rates. Like, those just don't happen very often. Um, I worry about him with the shot and, like, the passing. Like, those are the two things. Like, the assist rate is a little rough. Gets a little bit turnover prone. Um, on the jumper... Um, the volume isn't super high and like the free throw percentage is just okay. Don't love how the shot looks, but I, when you're that type of a playmaker, I think you've just got to like be able to drive in a straight line and shoot it and make quick decisions. So I don't think it's like a, a crazy difficult path uh, for him. Like you said, to like be a real guy, like a real, real prospect and not just a guy that, we're talking about is somebody who's in the in the margins on the future uh so i i liked him quite a bit i'm glad that you liked him dude yeah i you know love the number of lefty prospects in this class i wrote that in my notes too i like his size and athleticism has a very good first step absorbs contact decently on his drives despite being like a under recruited freshman you know like mm-hmm. he just he's not afraid he's he's very brave right um, can get a little wild when it's heavily contested, but it's nice to see him have confidence, like going at the defense. Has really good hang time. Like this dude gets up whenever he is attacking the basket and defending it. He's above average in the following fields, Maxwell per Bart Thorvik. BPM, offensive rating, usage, effective field goal, true shooting, block percentage, and still percentage. Like mm-hmm. he's got a block and still percentage that a uh, combined of what is that? Uh like over 12 at six foot four point guard, right? Like that's, it's, it's stupid. Right. And uh, he's had some good game, like uh, some, some good shooting splits against some good games, like, uh, or good teams like old Miss Siena, Georgetown and Maryland, like just had a kind of a bad game against Mississippi state. But I think the scout is really out on him. Uh, he plays off the bench kind of similar to like Rob Dillingham, Aaron Bradstraw and Reed Shepard, like Kentucky, uh, Mount St. Mary's for whatever reason, uh, they play him off the bench a lot. And he's just like a huge flurry of everything on the court all at once. And uh, I just think that you're probably not going to see him play there uh, next season. I think that would be safe to assume. And I think as a sophomore, like there's going to be, I just, I can imagine there being a team out there. that's just like, this guy's transferring up. We'd be fool not to get him, And then he just, he he's gonna he's gonna be on boards. I think as as early as the end of this cycle, the beginning of next cycle, Maxwell. I'm just I'm a mm-hmm. big fan. Yeah, I'm 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 right there with you. I think that he could be a real guy, real fast. Um, 
MAACs had a lot of dudes transfer up successfully mm-hmm. too, which I think is something that's worth noting. Like that is a conference that is for whatever reason has proved to be pretty scalable for a smaller league. Like it's going to be hard to imagine high majors, not just like all over this dude, like against, yeah. against uh, Ole Miss it was like 22 points on 15 shots. Like he's getting it done against good teams. Like there's, there's some yeah. consistency. There's some, some things that need to be ironed out, but like, the bottom line is he, you can put him on a court against high major players and start at home. Uh, yeah, big game against Ole Miss. Um, good game against Georgetown, too. Solid against Maryland in, in a smaller role in the first game of the year. Like, yeah. he can play. He can really play. Yeah. Um, last guy here uh, for my, my final pick was Amari Williams from Drexel. This is a guy I've kind of been on for a while. Um, the big sell here is the defense, like, just straight up. Mm-hmm. outstanding defender he was uh had the best defensive rating in the country last season um this year's defensive rating is is good uh but right now like it's just outlier early and we've got all sorts of guys that somehow have a defensive rating of like 60 <laughs> like yeah. a month into the season still um i love what he does defensively like he is so large he's 610 and like 265 so he's just physically massive but he has ballerina feet and it's just something you don't see very often so i think at the next level he's a guy that like you can play in any defensive scheme if you want to switch him you can and like most guys that switch aren't 265 pounds and if you want to play him and drop he will more than hold his own uh Block rate and block numbers are always like solid, but I think what he does really well is just deter looks. Like a lot of times yeah. he just takes away everything in a ball screen uh, and teams end up having to pull it out of the paint. Um, really good at staying out of foul trouble. Like the foul numbers like per 60 are abs- or per 100 possessions are crazy low. 3.3 per 100 possessions this season. Um, really knows how to just stay vertical, uh, be disciplined, uh, in every sense, doesn't really bite on a lot of stuff, just really well-rounded fundamentally for a guy with his physical tools. Um, high steal rate guy last year at a 3.1 steal percentage last year. Can jump a passing lane, which again, like there's not a lot of 265-pound guys that do this sort of thing. Um, good rebounder on both ends of the floor. That's always been a strength of his as well. Always great on the defensive glass, but gets himself a lot of putbacks on offense. The offensive game is where I think like, you can decide to buy flashes or you can say, I hate this. Yeah. Uh, so he is a guy that they, so Drexel plays a really slow pace. Part of that is to just like teams don't get a good look on, on defense because he on offense, because he takes a lot away. Um, so the pace is, is generally pretty slow uh, scored around 13, a game last year, around 12 a game this year. Uh, field goal percentage is straight up like bad for a big man. He's 46% from the field this year. Um, he settles for a lot of elbow jumpers. Yeah. The elbow jumper does not look good. It is not a shot he should be taking. Uh, their offense is very post-step heavy. Uh, so a lot of the times their offense is just dumping the ball to him inside instead of him charging out of a ball screen, which is probably the best use of him. Uh, doesn't have great touch on the hook shot. Also had a really high assist rate last season, but gets way too fancy with what he tries to do as a passer at times. And just will occasionally have a game where he turns it over five times. I think the hope is that you have this guy with outstanding physical tools who can really play defensively. And you say, when we just short roll him and it's just, you're making much more simple decisions and it's not, you're being double teamed all the time. 
and it's just finish it or move on, he can stick. And if that happens, I think you're getting a, a pretty unique and effective role player. Um, I also think there's a chance that maybe he's just really bad at offense uh, in terms, not like at the college level, but in terms of just like an NBA prospect and it doesn't work out. I think the dream is that he's Xavier Tillman with height. Mm. I think that's like the stretch goal. Uh, I think there's a good chance he's not, but I think he's like a guy that could be an intriguing second round bet in a class like this. Um, what did you think of Amari Williams? Oh, and by the way, also like every time they played a high major team, it's like a double, double or almost a double, double. Like he's, he's done well when they play good yeah. competition. Yeah. I mean, first off, he's just a big human being. Like I would be scared mm-hmm. to stand in front of this guy. If he's running full speed at me in my direction, like would be absolutely terrified. Uh, you mentioned that he's typically has the defense draped all over him. Like he is the scout for, for that team. Like you stop Amari, you stop Drexel. Like it's, it's no secret to the sauce there. Um, even still, he has shown the ability to drive from the elbow. So you mentioned the shooting from the elbow. I like when he's aggressive, like when he gets that, there's nothing open for him to pass and he can just like run at the rim and use his strength and his length to help him because he's got nimble feet. You, you touched mm-hmm. on it, you know, like the ballerina feet that he has, he's very nimble for his size. So it's one of the things that I like about like a player like Quentin Post to you look at him and you're just like, Oh, this guy, if I just sell out on the jump shot, I'm good to go. No, like you got to worry about these guys driving the driving to the paint too. The turnovers are kind of high, but some of them aren't from passing. And I don't know if that really is better or, or not Maxwell. Like, some of them are like happy feet, dribble off of his dribbling off of his feet, things like that. But I think that if you're looking at the turnovers just in regards to like how he is like processing the floor, the, the the passing is like way better than what the turnover percentages would otherwise indicate. Uh can really fire the passes into his targets too. Like has some real mustard on the end of them. Um, has good court vision. The defensive numbers on synergy are really low, Maxwell, which really surprised me because that just doesn't match the film when I'm watching it. Um, over, I think that he um, looks decent time to time defending smaller players, but overall, I think that you're going to want to see him in the drop or you know at the level around the elbow, depending on where the pick and roll is taking place. Like, I think inside the three point line is where you're going to be most comfortable having him defend. But there are like some very encouraging possessions to where you're not just like, oh no, we got to rotate the entire defense over to help him out like mm-hmm. just shade off a little bit and you're good to go i don't know if staying with drexel was the best thing for him maxwell because it seems like what is happening to him is the same thing that's happening with like tucker DeVries this season right like mm-hmm. where tuck had like all the momentum in the world last year and now it's just kind of like do we want to draft tucker DeVries in, in a in an even weaker class this year so I don't know if he th- does. He have another year of eligibility that you're. So aware I of? believe he would. The one thing. So I I spoke with his coach over the offseason for No Stone. He's from the UK. I don't mm-hmm. like my knowledge of how this stuff works is poor to be honest. I don't know if he's nil eligible. So I wonder okay. if part of him staying there was just being like, "This is where I've been. I like it here. They brought me to the dance. Like that could be a big part of it. I have no idea." Um. And there but, might be yeah. some redeeming qualities to that, you know, like sure, he's a loyal sure. dude, you know, mm-hmm. but I just think that it would have benefited him if he went to a school where he's not getting two, three bodies thrown in his direction and he is running the offense at his position. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like 
it would have been cool to see him in more like what I would, I guess I would call like a traditional big man role for sure to where he is in that short role, uh decision-making aspect, maybe running some DHOs off the elbow or on the perimeter, things like that. But mm-hmm. I think he is very talented. I just think that where he's playing and who he's playing with is really kind of doing him a disservice. What would you think about the fit with him? Like not even leaving the city and just going to Villanova. Oh, dude. Like, you know um, what I mean? Like I, a team that's like just sort of been short a traditional big man for a couple of years. And like, I don't know if Villanova would Dixon. move off of Dixon. Like that would be the thing. Like, do you, <laughs> yeah, uh, they're so loyal to that man. But I think that him playing like in like that area, together, I think, yeah. Or even like Temple, you know, mm-hmm. St. Saint Joseph, like somewhere in that area, like see him move up a little bit would would have been nice. But I think that he's got a lot of skill. I, I really do. Mm-hmm. Not just blowing smoke. I, I like him a lot. I just, his his environment right now, just I, I don't think is, I think it's, doing, it's hurting his stock is mm-hmm. what I would say. All right. So, Steven, we've got some heartbreaking news for the sickos. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So why don't you walk everybody through that and we'll we'll kind of transition that into the uh, the one more thing, uh, one for the road kind of portion of the show. Yeah, so yeah, so um those that have been uh ride or die with me know this about me, but like the nature of my day job means that I have to take like a few month long hiatuses, things like that. So uh <laughs> with that being said, this is gonna be my last draft sickos show for a little while uh you'll you'll get me again before the draft kicks off which is going to be nice you know there might be some fun stuff in the summer that i'll be able to be a part of this year but um yeah i'm gonna have to um this is gonna be my last episode i think that i'm gonna be on deep dives with nick this week and maxwell and i might have like one more thing that we're doing together but that's just kind of like a a maybe this uh Yeah. yeah like but for all intents and purposes, this is going to be my last show for a little bit. And uh, it's been a blast as always, brother. And uh, mm-hmm. I appreciate every week that I that I get to work with you and uh, the rest of the No Ceilings crew. Uh, I'm excited to see the progress that we make like as a collective. And I'm excited to see the progress that these uh, NBA prospects uh, show. And I, I think that that's going to be kind of like where we can spin this off into the uh, – the idea that we had for the one for the road where we're going to kind of time capsule a couple of takes here for, for a little bit. And then when I come back, we can obviously address it if we want to, or for if the just like regular draft stuff is too much fun to talk about, we can do that too. But yeah, let's do it. So yeah. What, so first off, yeah, it, it always stinks whenever you're not around. Uh, Love having you here. Love doing the podcast with you, obviously. Uh, but yeah. it's like the stuff that's not on the air. That's always the best is if it's just like, I think of a random guy or if like Steven thinks of a random guy, like just having somebody that you can bounce that stuff off of and, and get trustworthy sleepers from somebody. Like, I know that sounds like, uh, such a, a, a low level trait to care about in a human being. But like when Steven <laughs> texts me about a guy, I know that it's going to be a guy worth watching. Cause like, I think because we are like the sickos, like you get a lot of people that will just throw names at us. And a lot of times they are guys that are maybe not worth going out of your way to watch. Uh, Just having another, another person in my life from an evaluation standpoint that can bring those guys to me and I can bring those guys to him. It, it, it's, it's great. And just like on a, on a personal level, Steven's a great dude. Like having another, another dad and family man in the no ceilings crew (laughs) makes, makes my life a lot easier. Just someone who's always going to get me and understand me. So 
we're gonna yeah. miss having you around um as always but we're we're excited for you to get back and and finish out the cycle with you uh this year but yeah so i know i know you kind of wanted to lock some things in i'm intrigued to see what you have up your sleeve so what are the things that you kind of want to want to get in stone before you head out yeah so and again if uh if i'm wrong on this when i come back we just don't even have to talk about it that's going to be the beautiful part of excellent <laughs> yeah we'll pretend that we didn't do the segment and it's all good good vibes only right so maxwell i have ryan done five on my board overall i think right it's age well yeah yeah i i'm willing to lock that in i think that i can i think i can lock ryan dunn in as a top five prospect not that he will be drafted five but i think well, he could right so i'll lock this in that he could get drafted fifth overall but i also think i long term he's just going to be one of the best prospects within this class so i want to lock that in I also would like to lock in Pacomi Dadier being a top 20 pick. I know that we talked about him in this episode. I think that the steam is picking up on him. Like I said, he went from being not talked about at all on reputable draft uh, outlets to now he is starting to sneak up on these boards just ever so quietly. I want to lock that in. Maxwell, I have Aaron Bradshaw 23rd on my board after just two games and I have concerns on the size and the, or not the size, but particularly the strength, but the athleticism, the fluidity, the second jump, like very athletic big man. I want to lock him in as a top 30 prospect. I might be so bold to say top 25. (sighs) Maxwell, if I can go from lock to predict, kind of like, okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I want to, I think, that Ron Holland and Matas Buzelis are not, I think both of those guys are going to be outside the lottery. I don't hate it. I don't hate that prediction. I'm still like the Ron Holland apologist of our group. Like I, I buy the flashes a lot more. I think that is a possibility. Okay. Fair enough. All right. And then Maxwell, I, I think out of, there's a just a number of freshmen. I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet the following. I'm willing to bet that Garway Duall, Caleb Foster, Cohen Carr, Omaha Blue, and El Marco Jackson all come back as sophomores next year. Yes. I just I don't think that they're all I, I think that yeah. those guys they're not going to be satisfied with where they're projected this year. And I think that they mm-hmm. come back, which I want to ask you a question. And I think that this will yeah. be a fun conversation to kind of come back to in April. With as weak as this class is, and I say that in air quotes, weak, um, and as top-heavy as next year's draft class looks to be, what do you think about the quality of next year's draft with it already looking like so many of the freshmen that came into this season with high hopes are just kind of failing to meet those, but they kind of have like bounce back sophomore years next year? It's interesting. Um, yeah. I think that is a pretty distinct possibility. I, with some of these guys, I just worry, like, is it going to happen at all? Like, yeah. Like how many minutes if, if El Marco Jackson is on Tennessee, how many minutes a game do you think he gets? If who returns? If or like, I'm saying like if El Marco Jackson, like if he were on Tennessee this year, like, would he even be playing? 
Oh, on Tennessee? I don't know. Like, um, like, so Carr hasn't been playing for them. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's like all these guys where it's just like, okay, okay, well, I, yeah, I would love for them to have a breakout sophomore year, but like, I don't even know if these were guys that like would be on a radar at all if they were on different teams. Like, in, I in think Elmar Show gets a lot of burn next year, especially with Harris being gone. Like, but, I was, oh, yeah, I'm saying, like, yeah, I think, I think at yeah. Kansas he's going to play, but I think a lot of yeah. that is a function of like Kansas being a really thin team. Um, I'm a big believer in Omarco moving forward. And I'll, I'll count a counter with this Maxwell. Do you think that we would be having the conversations that we're having this year about guys like Harrison Ingram, Matthew Cleveland? Uh, who else, who else are we talking about this year is like kind of bounce back prospects. Yeah. Um, that's a good one. Even like, yeah, Terrence Shannon, like you mentioned earlier, yeah, McCuller, like it's like the high end versions, that yeah. same thing. Like it's, it's yeah, exactly. Phenomenon. Yeah, I mean, and you just you can kind of see, um, even to a much smaller degree, like Kalo Ware, like what this year is doing to his yeah, yeah, that's draft a good one. too. Yeah, so I mean, I don't like this year is teaching me to kind of never say never with uh, prospects and just like xing them off of a list. I just I think that this year is not going to be the year for freshmen, which is why I also wrote about that this year coming into the season that compared to other years that this class is going to was already going to be pretty low with like freshmen coming in and like making a name for themselves. And even fewer of those names have actually like kind of caught on. So I think that um the, the freshman class kind of makes it weak, but I, I like the connective ability, but yeah, man, like there's just so many freshmen this year that I think are going to, that are going to come back and have strong years like McKenzie and Buck, like out of uh, Indiana, He's probably mm-hmm. going to be another guy that, yeah. that might come back. So and and kind of have like this Ryan Dunn level out, you know, outcome where it takes them a little bit to grow into their offensive role, but they're just defensive rock stars. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And like, I wonder too if even like some of the disappointing sophomores, quote unquote, like a Milo Suzan, like does he pop yeah. off next year? Does a Mark Mitchell get back on the horse next year? Uh, does a guy like Coleman Hawkins come back for a graduate season and put it together? Like, are there going to be those kind of guys that just have extra juice that we're not necessarily anticipating? Like it's, it's going to be really interesting to see. Yeah, no doubt. But yeah, that's, that's what I'm locking in. That's some predictions that I wanted to throw out there and just a little bit of like, forecasting on where some of these freshmen are and how that looks for for next year even yeah yeah i think that's really fun i like those a lot uh i'm excited yeah. to kind of run this back uh in a yeah. couple months and see how this or looks. not or not yeah, we'll no, yeah, yeah we don't have to we don't have to, we don't have to do this well i'll go, <laughs> I'll go happened. back and edit this out of the podcast i'll go back and <laughs> change the whole episode if we need to. Yeah. yeah uh and then i'll also while i'm doing that i'll go back and like edit out my kevin mcculler preseason takes too we'll get we'll kill two birds with one stone so <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that, Revisionist that does, history. Exactly. Yeah, that does it for this episode of Draft Sickos. Thank you guys all for for tuning in and joining us. Uh, obviously, Stephen, we're wishing you the best. We can't wait for you to to get back into the fold here. It stinks anytime you have to go away. In the meantime, Draft Sickos will continue. Um, we're going to have a guest real star of the show every single week. Uh, so, put together a bit of a, a bit of a list uh, and got some some really exciting. Uh, people uh, within those ceilings, but also just across uh, draft media that are going to be potentially in here. So stay tuned for that. As always, thank you for joining us. Much love, y'all.